Welcome to the Destiny Church and Throne podcast. We pray this stirs you into a deeper relationship with Jesus and equips you to live a heaven on earth lifestyle daily. Enjoy. <laughs> we love you, Justin. Man, I just got the most amazing picture while I was laying down. Y'all are going to see it on Facebook. It was amazing. Um, man, I'm just wrecked. Give me a second. My belly's on fire. I just had a crazy encounter with Jesus. Maybe I'll share about it later. I feel like I can't breathe. Um, uh, I just really quick want to share something. Yesterday, we went to an outreach. It was amazing. I love outreach. I love getting to just love on people. Um, I've been, I'm going to let you into an intimate detail of my life, uh, probably since about December. Um, I have been, um, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if you used Peter's shadow to heal somebody, book of Acts, if you used Peter's shadow to heal somebody, well, then when I walk into the room, I want the river that's in my belly to fill that room with hope. Like everywhere I go, I, I want there to be hope. And not hope because of me, hope because of who he is. So if you use Peter's shadow to heal the sick, use the river that's in me because I believe in you and I trust in you to bring hope into whatever, like flood every room I go into with hope. That's been my prayer. And there's just been something God has been teaching me about the hopeless finding hope because I remember being so hopeless. We were sharing testimonies the other night and we were talking about just where God brought us out of. And, and a lot of you know my story, but, but I remember like, one of the things about that lifestyle that I lived was the hopelessness that I felt. Like you just feel like there's no way out. Has anybody ever been there? Like you, you feel like there is no way out. Like it's hopeless. Like you're in this deep hole and there's, there's no ladder, there's nothing, and you can't climb, and you don't have the right shoes on, you don't have the strength to get up, nobody's going to help you. Like you just feel hopeless. Has anybody ever felt that? Like utter hopelessness is such a like, that's what I believe takes so many lives. And that's why I think suicide has a chance to breed. Suicide is bred in the, in the atmosphere or lifestyle of hopelessness. Because you think about tomorrow and you're like, what's the point? It's hopeless. I'm stuck in the same thing. It's hopeless. And so I've been asking Jesus, like, everywhere I go, I want to release your hope. Because what you did for me, you're no, he's not partial. He doesn't look at me and like, yeah, Johnny. No, it's for everyone. It's for every single person. So when we walk into our Walmarts or into our Denny's, like, I just want the river of hope to flow. And so yesterday we went out. Um, uh, Nicole, can you feel that? Um, sorry, it's just a buzz, guys. After a while, I, I start to hear it, and that's all I hear. Um, man, thank you guys again uh, during worship. You guys are amazing. Uh, but I love that because I, I just want to release hope. And uh, yesterday, it was amazing. We just got to go out there and minister. And there's probably like maybe close to 100, like 60, anywhere between 75 to 100 homeless people that were out there. Uh, beautiful time. Got to feed and all that stuff. And, uh, but, but I loved it because it was an opportunity to go into an atmosphere where you know hopeless lives. Hopelessness lives in that area where you have somebody that they don't have finances, they don't have a roof, they don't have family. They go to bed at night and they're like, nobody cares that I'm even alive or I'm dead. And it's just really hopeless. And so I love being able to go into those atmospheres, go to those, and just like just preach the goodness of Jesus and, and, and share the gospel, share the message. It was really cool. We got to just like, you know, minister to stuff. But there was this one lady who really marked me. Her name was Hazel. And I actually went home smelling like Hazel. 
and, uh, and I just kept hearing the Lord saying that shepherds smell like their sheep. And, um, and I remember this woman, such a, such a, a soul of just, she was just amazing. And, um, what? Oh, I thought you said, Psh. I was like, what? Uh, Miss Karen, actually, while we were over there praying, she brought her over to me. And, uh, and Karen, thanks for coming. Karen was just praying for Karen and Bailey. They, they were just going around just like, what's Jesus doing? All right. It was beautiful. But Karen brought this, this beautiful woman up. Her name was Miss Hazel. She just looked like such a granny in the spirit. And I could tell there was so much heaviness on her. And Karen was like, she's dealing with addiction. Can we pray for her? And I was like, yeah, we can. And she opened up about she was, what she was addicted to, pretty harsh stuff. And, uh, and I just remember she was fine until I told her. Uh, I said, you're loved. You're loved. And that's when she broke. She just collapsed in my chest. And she just started wailing. And I just was like, well, I'm just going to hold her for, you know. And she just kept, you know, you could see and feel that, that manifestation of hopelessness. And, and I remember something that the Lord had told me. It's in 1 John 4, 12. He says, no one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, then God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. No one has ever seen God. But if we love. So, so, so you have atheists and Buddhists and all these people and, and, and even some maybe Christians that are kind of like living in this lukewarmness that some have never seen God. But, but the word says that, but if we love each other, it says that, that God lives in us and is brought to full expression. Could you imagine being a Christian that doesn't have any love? You'll never display Jesus. You'll never release the hope of who Jesus did and what he accomplished on the cross. You know, it's so cool. I remember seeing it on a t-shirt long ago. It was like, three nails didn't hold Jesus up on the cross. Love did. <laughs> you ever seen that? It's like a cool little slogan. I was like, yeah, amen, hallelujah. It wasn't three nails, it was love. And I remember as I was holding this woman, I remembered what Jesus was saying. Like, as I'm holding this woman on this, this hot Saturday, we're super sweaty, she's super sweaty. Like, it's like, man, we're just really close quarters. I don't know who this lady is. And she's just, like, just crying all over my chest. I was like, oh, my God, like, just, like, love her. And I just kept hearing the Lord saying, she's never seen me, but if you love her, she will. She's never seen me, but if you love her, she will. And see, this is the beauty of walking out this lifestyle of Christianity, knowing his heart. Because when you know his heart, you'll know his heart for the people around you. You'll know his heart for the drunks, for the addicts, for the prideful. You'll know his heart for the homosexual community. You'll know his heart for those that are far off from him. You know that we had a man who is transgender and, and he, he would go to service to service, and he came to a service one time that we were, we were hosting here, a regional service. This man was transgender, and I always say, I'm always going uh, to talk to him, who he is as a man. So every time I talked to him, I was like, bro, dude, man, call him by his, his name, his man name, like every time I saw him. He came to a service here, and he was sitting right where you're at, Don, like two over. And he said, <laughs> it's crazy, but he said God told him to take his bra off and put it at the altar. And he refused because he was embarrassed. God changed his life and restored who he was as a man. And now today, that man who was once confused, who encountered Jesus and changed his life, that man is now in Austin and riding around the nation fighting against transgender laws that are allowing children to mutilate themselves and change their body parts. He is now fighting against that stuff. But he was once confused. 
thinking that he was a woman. But you see, what happened was I saw God's heart for him, and many around us and those around the region saw God's heart, and they all spoke into his life as who he was as a man. And he didn't, when he walked in, they weren't like, oh, we know this he, she, get on out of here. And in fact, he even opened up to us and told us, maybe one day we'll have him share his story, it's beautiful. But he even opened up to us, he said, many have held me down on the ground trying to cast demons out. Many have held me down, come out, devil. And he said, none of it ever worked. He said, until I started getting encountered by the true love of Jesus and people treating me with the love of Jesus. And that's what changed his life. He is fighting for the rights for children to not go through a lie and a a tool of the enemy. It's not our job to convict. It's Holy Spirit's. What our job is, is to love like Jesus loved. And as I held this lady, I could have been like, oh, your poor choices led you to where you are, young lady. Your choice of drugs and what you did all your life led you to, you got to live in your own grave, right? You dug your own grave, you got to live in it. (laughs) But like, I don't see Jesus doing that. Could you imagine Jesus as a man who was bound by legion? Saying, oh, you opened yourself up to this. You better repent. You better find a different way. But no, he didn't, right? Come on. He didn't. He called out what was in him. He cast it out when that thing approached itself. And then he was like, I want to follow you and tell everybody about you. And he's like, "Mm, go back to your city. The woman at the well, right? This woman who was bound with continual divorces, who was bound with, with, with covenant after covenant after covenant adultery, who knows? Like this woman, Jesus talks to her and he restores her and actually makes her right then and there become a revivalist evangelist. No training. He delivered her, set her free, revealed who he was, and she was one of the most uh, uh, influential evangelists in the scripture. She brought revival to an entire city. Y'all remember that story, the woman at the well? One of our favorite stories here. We love the story of the woman at the well. It's one of my favorites. But he loved her, and he taught her the truth. And as I held this woman in my arms and countless others that we held, hearing some of the stories that these people went through, the trauma that there was linked to them, some of them just needed to hear something about hope, a message of hope, but they were in need of love. For God so loved the world. Beloved, child of God, what do you do with your children? You love them unconditionally, right? Children of God. And so it tells us no one has ever seen God, but if we love God, then God lives in us. You know, John Daniels brought this really cool Proverbs 14.4, without oxen, a stable stays clean. You see, if we want to see harvest, awakening, and revival, we're going to need oxen to come in. We're going to need people to come in, and the stables are going to get messy. And he alluded to that in our leadership meeting. You know, when, when people come in, it gets messy. But love is okay with messy. Raise your hand if you're a parent, if you, you had a kid. Now, raise your hand if you've been pooped on. Look, I loved my little kitty so much, I let it have babies on me. I was also sick and couldn't really move. Literally, a cat gave birth on top of me. It was crazy. I was sick, though. I didn't really want to move. And, like, it was happening. And I loved my little raven. And I was like, no, 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 no. no. I was like, dear God. I was like, Jesus, help me. And I just kind of turned my head. But it was my little raven. I loved her. Um, you know, it's a weird story. Whatever. Anyway. 
Love makes you do crazy things. <laughs> there, yeah, it's crazy, right? I've been in every, I have three children. I've been in every delivering room with those three children. And let me tell you, it was not pretty. It wasn't sparkly clean. If you've seen a baby birth, my goodness. It's just like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, right? What's that? You got to pull Melody out? Whoo. Man, I just remember, like, I like stuff like that. So I'm just like, whoa. But birth in itself, it's messy. Revival's messy. Family's messy. But when we walk in accordance to Scripture and the love of Jesus, when we walk in accordance to Scripture and the grace and the mercy of God, love covers what? A multitude of sin. Love covers a multitude of sin. And Jesus saw that. Jesus was patient with all of us, beloved. Those that are born again, he was patient with all of us. You could have died in your sin. Hear me when I say that. There is countless nights where I should have overdosed time and time and time again. I feel like, yeah, like I probably should be dead. But in his grace and in his mercy, here I am. I believe that his love for me covered a multitude of sin. And as I held this woman, and there's snot everywhere. And you, you can, it's, it's a strong smell. Like you can smell it. It doesn't really smell like anything that you can just smell in your house. There is this, this it's this smell. And it's the smell of like, like not bathing and, and body odor and feces and urine. And it's just strong smell. And as I'm holding her and, and the atmosphere and like just feeling what she's going through and being able to actually take in as a, as a mortal man. I'm just being honest with you. As a mortal man taking all in what's happening, I can only think of one thing. What would Jesus do in this moment? That's all I thought about. What would Jesus do? And I just felt Jesus say, as long as she's willing to stay here to keep receiving, I'm not going to let her go. Because no one's ever seen God, but if we love each other, then it said God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression. And this is the last thing I'm going to share with you guys. <laughs> More baby. <laughs> um, there was a Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked, and he was stripped uh, by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. It's like that man that's at the corner asking for money. It's like, hey, can I get some change? You're just like, like looking everywhere else but him. You know what I mean? Come on. You know what I'm saying? Like, usually when I see people on the side, I'm like, hey, go to the pantry. So if you ever see someone on the side of the road, tell them, go to the pantry. Walk there. What else you got to do, you know? Uh, but it said, a priest, by chance, Jesus telling this story, he, he, he saw the man that was beaten almost half dead, and he's just lying there almost half dead. And the priest, right, think about it, he's just coming from church. And he's like, and he's like, oh, dear God. And he walks to the other, like, think about that. Like, Jesus illustrating the story where there's a man half dead beaten, and a priest sees it, and is like, nope, and walks the other way. Like, Karen shares an awesome testimony, I'm about to tell on Karen. But when she's in Walmart, sometimes when she sees people, she does it, she knows, she does this. 
Come on, anybody ever been there? You know, she's like, whoops, see you later. You know, but that's when, like, she's really busy and, like, she knows, like, she's focused, you know. Other than that, she loves on people. It's amazing. Um, but we've all been there. But that's what I see with this priest. Like, he sees the guy on the side of the road, and he's like, oh, he's like, what? Oh, that bird over there, you know. And then it says right after that, a temple assistant, another guy from church, another guy's walking out, and he's like, oh, like, skips right over the guy. He's like, I got a place to be. I got to go somewhere. And this man's like lying half dead on the side of the road. And these two church people are like, uh, no way. Let me go to the other side. But then a despised Samaritan came along. Right? Because Jewish people and Samaritans, right? They didn't really mix well together. So far be it from Jesus to not offend religious people's hearts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like far be it from Jesus to stir up some trouble with the religious. And he's like, just then a despised Samaritan. Check this out comes along and when he saw the man he felt compassion for him love and compassion go hand in hand just then a despised Samaritan now think about it when Jesus is, is sharing this scripture he's he's talking to disciples and talking to those around Pharisees Sadducees people Jewish leaders and he's telling this story he says a despised Samaritan man came along and when he saw the man he felt compassion for him so going over to him the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and with wine and bandaged him up then he took then he put the man on his donkey and took him to a motel he took him into an end where he took care of him and the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins saying hey take care of this man I'll pay for I'll pay more if if, if the bill goes higher than what it needs to be next time I come through I'll pay you more I'll take care of his bill. Put it on my tab. This is, what, this is what this man's saying. He's saying, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than it is, then I'll pay you for the next time, the next time that I'm here. You see, in that, in that story in Luke 10, Luke 10 the, the Good Samaritan, what we see is Jesus showing us that heart posture means so much if we're going to reach those that are broken. We can know church and we can do church. We can have the title, we can have it all, but when we walk out of that door, when there's someone that's lying dead on the side of the road, what are we going to do? Right? Y are you guys following me on this? Like, what are we going to do when we see someone that's hurt and that's broken? Are we going to skip to the other side of the road and pretend we didn't see them? Or like this good Samaritan, are we going to do what's necessary, move with compassion to bandage them up? You know, in order to bandage someone up, what you need to do? You have to what? You got to get close to him. You got to touch him. You got to be there for him. It's, it's hard for me to bandage her hand being this far away. If you're going to bandage someone up, you got to get close to him. You might get some of their blood on you. You might get some of their mess on you. But even still, what Jesus is showing us is that in this moment, when I'm ho holding this woman, when I was holding her, I was like, man, all this mess, all these wounds, all this stuff that she's been dealing with, it's, it's actually like, it's kind of visible. It's kind of visible in this moment, and I'm holding her, and I'm thinking, what would Jesus do? What he would do is he would be moved with compassion and do whatever is necessary to heal, to bandage up. And not just that. But this good Samaritan, this despised Samaritan by the Jewish leaders. I think it was also cool because Jesus, like, you know, a lot of these Jewish leaders were like, he wants to use just us. And Jesus is like, let me share a story with you where your enemy actually does more than you do. So good. Jesus, man, I'm telling you. Whew. You know, where you see Jesus rebuke the most 
in the Gospels, you know, you know who he rebuked the most? Pharisees, the religious leaders, the ones that were supposed to know who he was. So Jesus in this story, it's so beautiful because not only does this complete stranger bandage this person up and show compassion, not only does that happen, but then he takes him to a safe place and he says, anything he needs, put it on my tab. That's called responsibility for the harvest. We want the harvest, yet no responsibility. We pray for the harvest, Keith, right? But we want no responsibility for it. Lord, just pop up a harvest in my backyard. I just want a garden of cucumbers. Just make it happen. But we are not willing to do what's necessary to bandage, to show compassion, to walk it out. And not just that, but bring this person to a safe space and say, hey, don't worry. While you're resting and healing up, I got you. This is the beauty of family. So this past week, it's okay if I share about your dog. I heard about Devin's dog. Devin and Danielle's dog. Lifelong, they have some awesome dogs. And I thought it was dead. I thought they had to bring it to the, the vet to put, it, put him down. Right, him or her? Him. And I was like, dude, that man, like, that's a family pet. Like, that hurt me. David came in. I was like, man. I was like so hurt. So I immediately texted him. I was like, ah, oh, man, like. And then I heard that the dog wasn't. Like, he lived and he was going to be fine. And he's just old age and just still kicking. And it'll be an old man warm in his bed when it's time for him to go. And I thought to myself, man, like, Sometimes that means, hey, man, like, if you got to rest up, even for something like that, because I, I love your heart, I know your heart, like, there's a safe space, we'll keep you guys in prayer, because I know that it means a lot to you. That's stewarding, and that's having a responsibility for the harvest, bringing someone into a safe space that no matter what they're dealing with, you're going to be there to help them out. You know, the, we, we often say in church culture, it's not about you, it's not about you, it's not about you. Uh, I think it is about you. When Jesus took the cross, he was thinking about you. So this, is, this walk is a little about you. But whenever you come to find out who you are, you start to walk in an authority and compassion to live like Jesus, and then it starts becoming about everybody else. But make no mistake about it, like it's still about you. Could you imagine not cleaning your own house, but only cleaning others' houses? Like this is a little bit about you. Like let's be honest with ourselves. We need to make sure that we're in a place where we are permanently residing in the presence of Jesus to where just like this despised Samaritan and the story that Jesus shares, that we are moved by compassion and love so that the people around us can see God's heart and can actually see God. Because no one is seeing God. But if you love, if you love, it's brought to a full expression. Amen? So in your life, whether, oh, it's prophetic. So in your life, wherever you are, however you're living, I want to live a lifestyle to intentionally speak love, to show love. Because God's love heals wounds and it heals trauma. Like, I'm glad you're here this morning. For what you opened up about, where you've been, for you to be here, for God to call you here. That's a big deal. And, and I moved with compassion when you walked into the doors and you were like, hey, I'm here. Because I knew how much it pleased God's heart. For you to just take that step. And God's saying, hey, like, just trust me because no matter what, like, I'm going to be here for you. And he's a good father. 
Because God's love heals wounds and it heals trauma. Been there, done that. I've been wounded. I've been, I've been through trauma. But God's love healed it. Same thing with marriages, relationships. That there's been trauma, wounds, stuff that's happened, backbitings, gossip. But God's love heals because God's love covers a multitude of sin. And I want to be in a position, guys, where we live an intentional lifestyle for the harvest that we don't want any payback. Or we don't demand for them to pay us back. We just say, hey, whatever they need, put it on my tab. I got them. I want to steward and be, be in such a place of responsibility for the harvest that I'm not expecting anything in return. Oh, you come in here, you get cleaned up. You better start doing this. You better start doing that. I don't want to live in a lifestyle of love that says you owe me something. Yeah, that's not love. <laughs> Could you imagine Jesus saying, hey, I'm going to die on this cross, but before you make it to heaven, you got to be murdered and, and put on a cross as well. Like, could you imagine that? That would be a really tough decision to make. <laughs> hey, before you make it to heaven in your last days, um, you and your family all have to crucify yourselves. Like, that's, that, that would be, like, uh, we'd have very few Christians, I believe. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Like, you'd have to, like, really, do, do you understand what I'm saying, though? Like, you cannot pay him back. And, and, and we sometimes expect to live in a lifestyle of intentional love, wanting people to pay us back. And even in marriages, that's a tough ask if you're in a position where you love somebody and you're like, hey, you got to pay me back, though. You gotta, i got to make sure I'm getting something back in return from you. See, because when you're intentional about the harvest, you can't love like that. Because you can love so radically that you might get hurt. Jesus loved so purely. Jesus loved so purely. That when disciples betrayed him, that when followers left him, he still went about the mission of dying for each and every one of them. That's how much he loved. So I just, I hope you got something from this in the realm of not just loving, but being responsible for the harvest. Not being, being intentional about loving those around you. Being intentional about being close to heal wounds, to bandage wounds. Now check it, the Good Samaritan, he never said, hey, how'd you get these wounds? How'd you get all cut up? What, what happened? Who said what? What say what? Now he never asked about how he got wounded. He just said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bandage you up. Don't worry about it. I got you. I'm here. And I just want to continue to live in a place like that. Where if somebody comes in need of help or assistance, not, how'd you get here? What would you do wrong in your life? No, I just want to say, hey, let me bandage you up. Let me put some healing oil on you. Let me pray for you. Let me help you in any way that I can. And in the end, it's going to be their decision whether or not they want to be helped. We all know that. But we all have a choice, too. I have a choice to be here this morning. So I love you guys. Um, stand with me. Let's pray.